Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. We get underway with our number two of the program. My name is Matt Pauly. As always, you can uh, chime in 314 436 7900. That's how you call, that's how you text. You can also uh, tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air, M A T T P A U L E Y on air. The Padres were able to get out of it in the bottom of the first inning with only one Philadelphia run scoring. There were two on. Uh, but they were able to get out of it, so it's one nothing, and that game has moved along to the second inning. Wanted to get to a few baseball things. First off, uh, Katie Wu of The Athletic uh, tweeted out a couple hours ago saying, quote, can confirm earlier reports that Skip Schumacher did interview for the open Marlins manager position. He just finished his first year as the Cardinals bench coach and has mutual options remaining over the next two seasons. Nothing official yet in terms of the entire coaching staff being back. And I do think that's something that's going to be interesting to watch because if you're Oliver Marmel, essentially you get that job last year, Schilt's staff is still in place, and you basically take his staff. At what point does Marmel try to maybe bring in, and maybe he loves the entire staff and those are his guys and he's totally comfortable with everybody, but more often than not, when you're in that leadership position, there's certain individuals in your life who you want to have sitting next to you in a, in a dugout. And we'll see if there are maybe some changes made. I would be surprised if the coaching staff came back exactly the way it was last year. And again, that's not, that's not me saying that they did a bad job. I think they did a, a good job. And I think, you know, we heard it from John Mozeliak on multiple occasions about how well that coaching staff worked together. You would still think that this is a possibility that you could see uh, some sort of change made. Uh, for, and maybe this is one of them. Maybe Schumacher gets that opportunity to uh, go out there and get an, uh, a big job, a managerial job. And if he gets that, that's going to open up a, uh, a possible position uh, there on the coaching staff. So that's, that's the one bit of uh, Cardinals news to uh, get to today. The more things change, the more they stay the same. A few uh, managerial notes coming out of uh, baseball. First off, the Texas Rangers, they have their new manager, but he's certainly not new to uh, baseball. A guy with 2,003 career victories, a guy who has been in retirement. The Rangers coming off six consecutive losing seasons. They make the announcement that they have hired Bruce Bochy as their manager. He is 67 years old. He has not managed since 2009. That was after he stepped away from the San Francisco Giants where he managed for uh, 13 seasons. So Bochy is returning to managing, and he is going to uh, manage the uh, the, the uh, Texas Rangers moving forward. And we'll see if that, that is good for that organization. They just... They have not been able to find themselves in a good number of years. The uh, Guardians announcing that Terry Francona is going to return to manage that team in 2023. He has not yet signed a contract, but uh, he says that he intends to be back next season. He has had health problems over the last couple of years. He has another operation reportedly scheduled for uh, next week. But the team uh, president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, uh, said that uh, Francona is welcome to manage the Guardians for as long as it makes sense on his end. So he continues to be one of the best managers in baseball. And you see he is, you know, there's going to be years. Cleveland doesn't spend a lot of money. 
There's going to be years where they're just not very good. But when they've got the opportunity to be good, when they've got the opportunity to go on a run, having a guy like Francona in charge certainly is somebody that uh, tends to uh, work out. And then one other note, uh, today's an off day in the ALCS, so it'll continue tomorrow with the Astros and the Yankees. The Astros were expected, they were expected to start Lance McCullers uh, in game number three tomorrow. Well, no announcement was made by Dusty Baker uh, after game number two. Sometimes managers do that in the playoffs. You didn't think much about it. Well, not so fast. There was something going on. Uh, McCullers, he suffered a small cut on his throwing elbow from a thrown champagne bottle during their celebration after they won their last. Who's throwing champagne bottles, by the way? Like, not that there needs to be decorum in clubhouse celebrations, but throw that seems dangerous to me. Champagne bottles are glass. You should tend not to throw around champagne bottles. So McCullers is going to be okay. He's going to be pushed back just one start. He is going to start game four instead. But there's there's going to be one of those uh, kind of side stories that goes along. You see those things in the playoffs where Lance McCullers Jr. has been pushed back a day because of a cut on his throwing elbow from a thrown champagne bottle. Um, <laughs> McCullers was asked about it. He said it was really no one's fault. It was just an accident. So it's not a huge deal. I disagree. Yes, it was somebody's fault. You know whose fault it was? It was the person who threw the champagne bottles for fault. You throw a champagne bottle, you're to blame. If this story is a legitimate story and he really got a cut from a thrown champagne bottle, I get not wanting to throw your teammates under the bus, but that is a false statement when he says it was really no one's fault. Literally, it was somebody's fault. It was the person who threw the champagne bottle that ended up cutting your finger. He can't say that, but it is true. 314-436-7900. That is the number to call. Don has given us a call. Hey, Don, you're on Sports Open Line. Welcome back to St. Louis, Matt. Thank uh, you. I, I, listen to, I listen to your show, and you have quite interesting conversations. But here, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the, uh, the ownership here, about how much money they spent. And it looks like they got a shopping list, but let's see how much money they spend because I think they need a catcher. I think they need a shortstop. And I think they need to re- replace the outfielders they have because that's the reason why they, they don't get very far uh, beyond the division because they, they don't spend enough money, Matt. And that's why I go to a lot of Cardinal games. I'm a big loyal fan. I spend money. I would like to see them do more uh, getting some uh, some uh, position players where this team can get over the hump, Matt. If you can answer that, I'd appreciate it. You have a good evening. Yeah, Don, I appreciate the phone call. Thanks for uh, being tuned in. Uh, actually, it was in, so. Uh, Jeff Jones from the uh, Belleville News Democrat actually wrote about this today. I was actually thinking about maybe trying to get Jeff on uh, fairly soon to uh, to talk about this. Um, this year, the Cardinals were not a top ten payroll team. Now they generally are top ten. You're generally not going to see them top five, and I I don't have a problem with that. Like I let me start by saying this. I don't have a problem with the amount of money that the Cardinals spend. I just don't. I think you look at the market size, you look at the media deals that they have, things like that. I 
I'm I'm very comfortable with the money that they spend. Can they spend more? Yeah, every, every team can spend more. The Dodgers can spend more. The Mets can spend more. Anybody can spend more. So I'm not saying that the Cardinals can't spend more. And would, would it be all right if they did? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, the point that Jeff made in his story, and you can read it if you want to, at bnd.com, uh, the point that he was making is that this year um, you have Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols coming off the books. There's about $12.5 million. Uh, Corey Dickerson goes away. There goes uh, $8.7 million. Um, so there, there's about $23.7 million that's clearing off the books. Um You'll see what happens with Adam Wainwright. You would think that if Wainwright does come back, he would get probably the same type of deal. You are going to have some players who are arbitration eligible who are going to get some raises, so not all that money is going away. But at the same time, the media rights money is going to continue to move in an upward direction. So I do think the Cardinals do have legitimate money to spend. Here's the other side of it, though. Um, Don mentioned shortstop. The shortstop of the future for the Cardinals is Mason Wynn. When is he going to get here? You are not probably going. There is a chance that he makes his major league debut in 2023. He absolutely will be in the big leagues in 2024. You're not going to go sign a shortstop to like a five-year deal when, when you know that. Now, is there any guarantee that a prospect, a young player, is going to get there and be able to perform and perform at a high level right away? No. But there's also resource allocation, and you don't want to go put a lot of money into a position where you've got a guy who looks like a can't-miss prospect on the way. In terms of changing out all the outfielders, could they're going to bring in a veteran outfielder. I, I Bob Ramsey said it earlier, and I, I've been saying exactly what Bob said for a while. This team needs two legitimate bats this offseason. That's what I want to see them sign, two legitimate run producing bats, how it works out, where you place them. You look at the catcher spot. That seems to be an opening. You look at the outfield. That seems to be an opening as well. Uh, are, are you going to try to bring in a bat on the infield? To me, the way the roster is constructed, the way you've got some future players coming up, obviously your corner uh, infield spots are, are taken care of as long as Nolan Arenado does not opt out. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's some money to be spent, and watching how this team spends money this offseason I think is going to be an interesting thing to watch because they tend to be a little bit higher in the rankings of overall payroll than they were this past year. They still spent a respectable amount of money, but it also feels like they do have some money to spend. It's just going to be playing out the market and seeing what out there makes this team better and how that all plays out. I hope that answered your question. But, yeah, that's interesting to get that call because uh, the piece that Jeff wrote uh, really got into that. So, again, encourage you to read that good stuff from uh, Jeff Jones at uh, BND.com. We're going to talk with uh, Maury Brown, national baseball writer for uh, Forbes Sports. He joins us in just a moment. It's Sports Open Line. We're back with more in a moment here on KMOX. Line does it continue 
Keeping you updated on what's going on in Philadelphia. The Phillies lead the Padres by a one nothing score. That game is in the bottom of the second. Today is an off day for the ALCS. It is set to continue tomorrow. Right now, very happy to welcome on to uh, the program one of my favorite people out there to talk baseball, really talk a lot of things with. He is uh, Maury Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. That's B-I-Z-B-A-L-M-A-U-R-Y. Maury, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I am doing good. Uh, baseball postseason, obviously, uh, a lot of fun to see what's going on. Let me just start you with this: a very broad question. As this as this postseason has continued, like what's the what's the overwhelming storyline that's kind of hit you? Well, I think that there's been a couple of things. Obviously, the division series I think showed that in a five game series, anybody can win. And that really, I think, is, has shown itself. Is that good for baseball? I, w- I would say so. You know, in the sense that um, the regular season matters only insofar that it really um, does present owners, right, with something to hang their hat on. But once you get into the playoffs, I think that um, teams look at it and it's like it's a reset and they can do anything, and, and we've seen that. Um, the other thing I think that's been largely interesting is, is the Houston Astros. And they're the only team that I saw six months ago and said, I thought that they were really going to give whoever was in the World Series trouble. And I think that they're going to be in the World Series. And I think that whoever winds up going there is going to be in trouble. And they're just their pitching staff looks fantastic. You know, it's interesting to watch over the last couple of games. You know, their, their batting average isn't that great. But then, of course, the Yankees are worse. So um, it's an interesting time just to watch what's going on in those two places. The addition of the wild card and the wild card series kind of adds that fuel to the short game series thing. All right. So I've been thinking about this a lot and I, I don't even know where I stand on it completely, but I, in the moment upsets are great. They're fun. They're enjoyable. But at the same time, I also don't want the baseball playoffs to be a thing where, the regular season just represents the opportunity to punch your ticket to the playoffs, and there's not a whole lot of advantage about being the one or two seed versus being the, the the last team in. And it's such a small sample size. It's the first year of the expanded playoff. Like I'm really trying hard not to put too much stock in what's happened this year, but I'm I'm having a hard time grasping that because I am somebody that wants what you do in the 162 game schedule to also result in giving you a, a legitimate better shot in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's a legitimate thing. I mean, part of the part of the thing that everybody wanted to see when we had before when we had the one game plan for the for the wild card, right? Was it, it didn't seem fair at all to to have that dynamic. So we got into a three game series and gave the division winners a bye. And that I think largely um can help and can hurt. I, you know, I just, you know, the Dodgers, we continue to look at them. The Dodgers remind me a lot of the nineties Braves and they got that, the the Braves won that one world series and just all those division titles and the Dodgers were starting to look the same. And I, I could just see a while back that it was, you know, that there was some holes largely in the starting rotation and some questions largely around, you know, the closing situation was a, a little bit different with Jansen leaving and whatnot. But then I thought, honestly, that the Braves would advance. And I I just – I didn't see it. I didn't see a Phillies-Padres NLCS. I just didn't see it. And I don't think a lot of other people did either. So 
so um, is it good or bad? I, I don't know. I mean, you would have to say that um, the teams that have largely run Ramshot have spent an exorbitant mm-hmm. amount of money to have the, the, the rotation and the talent that they have. And on paper, they should win, right? I mean, it just looks like they should. But again, games aren't played on paper, and that's what I think makes it interesting. You have to ask yourself, what teams are hot when they enter the postseason? doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but at the end of the day, if a team isn't hot at the end, then it, then it doesn't matter. And this can go all the way back to those Red Sox teams with Ted Williams and whatnot that, that would look so dominant, and then they would lose in the World Series, and Ted Williams would have a, a terrible series. It, it's happened before. It just seems to be a lot more prominent now with the expanded playoffs. It does feel like we can almost revisit the trade deadline now because during the regular season, the Padres weren't getting a whole lot out of Soto. His overall numbers in the postseason aren't great, but he's helping them score runs. He's a big part of that. Obviously, Harrison Bader has had a a really big impact on what the Yankees are doing. So those trades that, while in the regular season, they didn't seem to help those teams very much. All of a sudden, they got them for the playoffs, and those guys are, are doing their part. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I would I would look at the at the situation, um, you know, certainly with the Padres and their closer that they acquired from the from Milwaukee. I mean, Josh Hader's been been uh, outstanding. So I, you know, I I like how that's how that has turned out. I I think one of the things at the trade deadline, and it's a team that's not in the postseason, but I can't imagine what would have happened if the Orioles would have done something at the trade deadline as well as they did. And, and we're sellers, you know, I mean, if there's one thing that we've seen with this, right. And this is going to be a, a, something I guarantee that we're going to talk about in the off season. Look at the teams that wound up advancing past powerhouses. Teams that would normally be sellers now, I think are going to be buyers. They're going to see that they can do something. And that was really largely the design. That's what the owners wanted with the expanded teams in the playoffs, adding that one team in the AL and the NL to to expand into the, you know, the wild card. And is that good? I mean, it gives some teams hope. Uh, that's the one thing that I got to say about this. Is it bad for teams that, that do what they do in the regular season? Yes. Overall, though, do you have to artificially rig the system in which people have some hope? I mean, there's no reason for the Pirates to be as bad as they are. Mm-hmm. You cannot say that now. There's got to be a good reason why your team is, is habitually bad. And that puts pressure on the A's. That puts pressure on the Pirates. And I would say, ultimately, that's a good thing. Teams should be trying to win. Look what the Seattle Mariners finally, after 21 years, finally did. Well, and to take that one step further, let's specifically look at the National League for a second. Basically, every team that tried to win got into the playoffs, and the teams that didn't didn't. I guess maybe we could argue San Francisco after their season last year. Uh, the Brewers go into the season trying to win, but then all of a sudden they make the decision that dropping Josh Hader's 2023 salary is more important than winning games in 2022. Really, the, the teams that tried to win all got in the playoffs, and all the other teams weren't even trying, it seems like. Yeah, and that's probably a good way to look at it. Um, I mean, look, there's obviously, you know, there there's some circumstances to how things are. I mean, games play out. Teams teams can can certainly get streaky. I mean, I looked at the Yankees. The Yankees were horrifically streaky. The Mets were streaky. And so you look at some of that. I mean, the Mets clearly should have gone 
farther if you looked at them. But if you looked at them a little more closely, they really died at the end. And it would have been a typical Mets year where they missed the playoffs at the end and have this collapse. They were just so good that they collapsed, right, <laughs> in going in and just couldn't go, you know, the distance that they should have. But, uh, you know, I, I do get back to this. The Cubs should be doing well. Every team should be having years in which they're competitive. I mean, are you going to be as competitive as the Dodgers year in and year out? No, of course not. You don't have the financial resources. But you should be able to do something for a while. And, uh, again, I think that that is ultimately good overall for the game. Uh, there needs to be a ton of pressure on Pittsburgh and certainly Oakland, who did horrific things to their fan base by what they've done year in and year out. And they're going to use the, a new ballpark as the excuse and that's not an excuse to have anymore. It really isn't. Given the amount of money, look, Major League Baseball should likely have gross revenues over $11 billion this year coming out of the pandemic. A new TV deal, you know, the gaming money, all of this stuff that we continue to see. There is no excuse for some of these player payrolls that we see. I see no reason for Cleveland. Everybody talking about how great it was that Cleveland did with, with so little. And my argument to that is why? Yeah. And they have more than enough money. They should have been doing more. They could have gone further if they had done so. Rob Manfred has said that they still want to expand Major League Baseball probably by two more teams, but at the same time wants to get the Oakland and the Tampa situation figured out. And those two situations have been hanging out there for a while. I know there's been a little bit of movement in Oakland, but it's it certainly nothing is figured out yet in terms of a stadium there, or potentially going to Las Vegas. What you're, you're so connected to the business side of things. Do you have a prediction on when we might see the Oakland and Tampa Bay situations figured out in a sense that Major League Baseball can really start talking about expanding? Well, I think Oakland clearly is going to happen first. I mean, it's, there's something going to happen early on next year in Oakland, or they're absolutely going to Las Vegas. Um, and the reason, and it's not like it's any better in Las Vegas. It's just that development is so much easier. I, I look, I, I'll be quite honest with you. I don't think you see, I think you see an incremental increase in attendance in Las Vegas with the A's as you do in Oakland right now, right now. I mean, that's not with a new, uh, you know, that's with the new ballpark in Las Vegas. Tampa Bay is a little more complicated you know, they just they are tied into that lease. They really don't want to invest in, in building something there, you know, that is lasting. It just had more troubles, I think, than the situation in Oakland. And Montreal looked like a way out. But for whatever reason, that hasn't come together either. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about Nashville. And I think that, you know, again, whoever comes up with the funding is going to get that. The, the, look, the Rays aren't moving west. Wherever they wind up, whether it's in Tampa Bay or whether it's in Montreal or whether it's in Nashville or somewhere else, it'll be in the Eastern time zone. They want to keep that the way that it is. Because when we go to 32 teams, what you're going to see is radical realignment. The idea of moving us and having pitchers no longer hit and having the universal DH sets up regional alignment. I mean, you look at how the NFL is with the AFC and the NFC. And it's just, it's, you know, it's homogenous. There is no real difference. And so I think that you're going to see where, is it possible that the, the Giants and the Mariners and potentially the A's could all be in the same division? I, I think that you're going to see that, four divisions of eight. And so that sets itself up. But you're, they, they do have to get Tampa Bay and Oakland sorted out. 
But absolutely, Rob Manfred said to me five years ago, he sees baseball as a growth industry. He wants to get to 32 teams. And I think that that will increase because, look, there is a humongous expansion fee that comes along with that. And two teams would come to about $4 billion. And that's all money that goes directly back to the owners. So it's out there. It's not going to go away. I'll finish you with this. And you mentioned a bunch of the cities, but whether it's Nashville, Montreal, uh, San Antonio, uh, Las Vegas, you're in Portland. That's been a city that's been connected to a team, although it seems like that has maybe fizzled a little bit. It certainly feels like there are North American cities right now who could do a better job supporting their teams than some of these cities that have teams at the moment. Well, the difficulty isn't that they can't support teams. And it's getting a ballpark built. I mean, it's a $2 billion investment to get a ballpark now. I mean, in most ballparks, depending upon where it's at now, the requisite would be a retractable roof. So they're really expensive, right? I mean, if Portland, as an example, if you could wave a magic wand and get a ballpark built here, I think that there would be a discussion about, you know, potentially having a team here. But again, it is getting the funding and having that all lined up and getting the land purchase and all those things that go together. Um, and, and of course, it's easy to say that certain markets may do better than others. But the reality is this. There are no large markets left. New Jersey, maybe. I mean, you could get three teams in the New York area. Would the Phillies, Yankees, Mets, uh, you know, would they all flip out? Of course they would. And there would be a lot of pressure not to do that. That's about the last place you could go. Everything else is small to mid markets. So there's a lot of concern, of course, in the league ownership ranks about another revenue sharing mouth to feed. And they don't want to have that happen. Why go ahead and do that? What's the money upside for the owners beyond the $2 billion, right, per team, $4 billion if they expand to 32? How much money, extra money are they going to bring in to the central fund to disperse across all 30 teams? long after that $4 billion is absorbed, and that's a concern. Portland's small, you know, San Antonio, all those places, they're not large markets. They don't. They would not yield a large television deal and other things. So, you know, it does, it gets into all of that, you know, and so it's complicated. But, again, Manfred sees it. Could they potentially go international? You know, I mean, Mexico City's huge, but it has its own inherent problems. You know, players have to be paid by in U.S. dollars. So, you know, the peso, everything that goes along that international monetary exchange, you know, turbulence in terms of, you know, global economies, all those things come into play. So it's it's really complicated. Maury, always appreciate the time. Encourage folks to uh, follow you on Twitter at BizBallMaury, uh, senior contributor at uh, Forbes, uh, in addition to baseball, sports business, also uh, auto racing, a lot to uh, get into. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we'll talk again real soon. All right, Matt. Have yourself a great weekend. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. That is uh, Maury Brown. This is Sports Open Line. We're back with more in a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. If I was ever a sports executive, I think I would try just being brutally honest about things and seeing if I get appreciated for it. Because I appreciate brutal honesty. Um, Sometimes it's hard to sell brutal honesty to a fan base. If you're going through a period uh, in your team where 
you're just not going to win a lot of games. It's hard to say that publicly and still expect people to spend money on tickets and show up to games and help contribute to the bottom line. But if I was a sports executive, you know, Greg Popovich, who I love, he recently was asked about his team, and I forget the exact quote, but I think he said something like, don't bet on us to win the championship. Like That's the type of honesty that I appreciate. Somebody who could not bring themselves to that level of honesty is the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. Yesterday, late last night, it broke. It was probably around midnight that it broke. Late last night, it broke that the Carolina Panthers are trading away star running back Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they got a really good return for him. They got three 2023 draft picks, a second, a third, and a fourth, and then they got a fifth-round pick in 2024. So they get four draft picks, including a second and a third in there. So that's that's probably as good as you are going to get for Christian McCaffrey. And McCaffrey just has not been able to stay healthy in Carolina. Now, does all of a sudden he start becoming a healthy player because that happens when you have a change of scenery? Maybe, maybe not. We'll just have to wait and see. So Scott Fitterer is the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. And he said, we had to figure out what's best for this organization. Our focus is still going out and competing every weekend. We expect to win. He goes on, actually, his head coach, uh, Steve Wilkes, who's an interim coach after they fired Matt Rule earlier in the year, he said, there's no such thing as tanking when it comes to myself or the men in that locker room. Okay. They're tanking. They are tanking. They are getting. They are taking their assets that are on the roster right now, and they are trying to move those to help them better win in the future. They are making the obvious, overt decision that they are not going to win much this year. So there's no reason to hang out, hang on to these pieces when they can go through a rebuild. But here we are. Everybody is saying that they're not tanking, that they're still expecting to win, yada, yada, yada. It's so disingenuous. It is so, and look, there's a way to say that you're tanking without saying that you're tanking. Like that, That's where I would have a problem. Because if I'm the general manager of the Carolina Panthers and a bunch of microphones are stuck in my face today after I trade away one of the most favorite players in the organization and, and arguably the top player in the organization in a, in a Christian McCaffrey, if somebody's sticking a bunch of microphones in my face, my initial reaction is to say basically what I just said. Look, we're not winning much this year. But we still believe in this organization. We still believe in a lot of the pieces in this organization. And we feel like by utilizing some of our pieces this year, it makes our future that much more bright. Like th- That's a way to say that you're tanking. But instead, these executives in sports never can say that, never can admit that, yeah, they're, they're really, they're not trying to win games anymore. And you would... You would feel better about that, you know. Something we we've talked about it uh, a few times already on on this um, on this show because you look at the San Diego Padres and you look at the moves that they made, and they went out and they got Josh Hader, and that Josh Hader trade had a, just 
a trickle-down effect across baseball, the way it rippled through. Uh, it was great for the Cardinals. It was fantastic for the Cardinals when the Brewers traded away Josh Hader because the Brewers were not the team that they were anymore. The Brewers kind of stopped believing in themselves. The Brewers all of a sudden felt like their organization did not believe in them, and it just it went bad. So that helped the Cardinals as they were able to win the division pretty easily. It helped the Padres, even though Hayter was a little iffy when he first got to San Diego. He, If you actually look at his career numbers, he does that every year. He goes through a, a period every single year where there's like a month where he's not very good. And outside of that, he is as dominant as any pitcher in baseball. And now we're seeing what he's doing in the postseason with the Padres. If if you were a fan in Milwaukee, the thing you would have wanted to honestly hear from the organization is, you know what? We can't afford this guy next year. He's, he's going to make so much money in another arbitration year that we can't afford him, and we feel like that this package that we got now is more than we're going to be able to get for him in the offseason. So, yeah, we want to get something for him. We know we can't afford him. We made the move now. Like, there would have been some honesty in that, but they didn't say that. They talked about they, they're still trying to win, and they thought it was good for the team now, yada, yada. Like, lies. They, they gave lies, and this is what the Carolina Panthers are doing. They are giving lies when they say that yeah, they they still expect to win. This isn't a tank job. Yes, it is. You want a tank. You want a better draft pick. You want to trade players away. You want to get more draft picks. Just admit these things. It's not, it's not the end of the world. To the, There's always going to be a team in first place. And there's always going to be a team in last place. And when you are that last place team, um, you you go out and, and you do some things to try to get out of there. 49ers, by the way, it's the exact opposite with them. Does anybody actually believe in the San Francisco 49ers as a legitimate Super Bowl contender? We should all be shaking our head no in unison on that one right now. They are not. They are not a legitimate uh, Super Bowl contender, but the uh, San Francisco 49ers, they say that they went out and they got Christian McCaffrey because they feel like that uh, he gets them closer to uh, being a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl this year. So good for them. Like that's I, I've used the term a lot of the phrase a lot lately, the whole idea of fortune favoring the bold. Good for the 49ers that they were able to uh, do that. Just you look at the two sides of that thing and, yeah, two sides are very, very different. All right, one more break. When we come back, uh, again, we'll continue to keep you updated on what's going on in uh, baseball. Have a couple other things to get to before we uh, call it. Call it a week, our final segment of a full week's worth of shows. It's Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. This is KMOX. up this edition of a sports open line on KMOXO, just a, a look behind the scenes of what we've got going on here. I pulled some audio. Actually, I asked Matt Pajeski to pull some audio for me uh, from an end of season news conference from Dodgers president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman, much earlier in the week. And every day we kept saying, we're going to play this. We're going to play this. We're going to play this. And I kept forgetting to do it. So we have just a few minutes left in the program, but I wanted to play this and then kind of apply what he says to the Cardinals. So this was a kind of some eye-opening comments made uh, by Dodgers president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. The expectations here are incredibly high, and that's awesome. I love how passionate our fans are. Those expectations are shared by everyone that works here, in the front office, in the coach's room, 
Dave, our players. Uh, I personally don't think the criticism that Dave has received has been fair. Um, I think it's human nature to want to point the finger at someone. Um, and I feel like this was an organizational uh, failure in the postseason. I feel like, you know, our regular season goal, we accomplished. We put ourselves in the very best position you can to go out and win 11 games in October. We didn't come close to doing that. And <clears throat> I think there are fairly clear answers as to why and others that aren't <clears throat> as clear. But I think, you know, that passion is awesome and love it. But I feel like all of us are incredibly disappointed. And, you know, at least the way my mind works is taking this moment, learning what we can from what has happened and doing everything we can to avoid this going forward. Now, getting back to your point, what can we do going in to hopefully put ourselves in a position to play in October next year? And then once we're able to accomplish that, how do we put ourselves in the best position to be the hottest team during that stretch? I don't know the answer to that, but we'll definitely spend time trying to figure it out. Because there's not an answer to it. Now, there's going to be a lot of Cardinals fans who hear that and go, man, I really wish John Mozeliak would go sit in front of a microphone and talk about the organizational failure in the playoffs. T- accountability. Look at that. Like, I get what he's saying. They had a really good regular season. They had the best regular season uh, in the National League. And then they just they don't advance in the playoffs. But it's not an organizational failure. Because, again, it comes back to the randomness of the Major League Baseball playoffs. It just does. And the Dodgers, they're never going to be in any sort of trouble because they've got all the money in the world and they have incredibly smart people running that front office. That is as good of a baseball operation as exists in Major League Baseball. They are the perfect blend of spending tons and tons and tons of money while also doing all the small things inside of the organization that you need to do to continue to cultivate talent and build through your own organization and all those things. Like that's they are the gold standard of a baseball operation. But I would I would take issue with what he said when he said that it was an organizational failure in the playoffs and that they need to figure out how they can be the hot team going into the postseason. You can't figure that out. And losing in a short series can happen to anybody. There's some luck involved. There's some randomness to it as well. So I don't know if he believes that or if I don't know if that's what he feels like he has to say to kind of appease the Dodgers fans. Uh, it's good that he kind of uh, took took some pressure off of Dave Roberts because Roberts does a fine job. He's a good manager. I just, I don't know. I hear that and I go, it's, it wasn't an organizational failure. The Dodgers aren't failing from an organizational standpoint. They're just not. They just happen to kind of hit some bad luck in the postseason. So I'm going to be a little easier on the Dodgers than even they are. That's it for Sports Open Line. Thanks for being tuned in. Talk to you on Monday here on KMOX.